0: You're listening to the Volleyball by Design Podcast. Today, we're gonna talk about decision-making for a setter. Uh, I know the title is called The Art of Decision-Making as a Setter. Uh, I have the privilege of working with our setters more closely, that's one of my my responsibilities on our coaching staff, and this is a conversation that we could talk about for hours, but I try to narrow it down into some top strategies that you can work with your setters on so they understand, and they understand how decision making is so important and it, it could make or break your offense so this is an episode you definitely don't want to miss stay tuned The Volleyball by Design Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 193 of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Uh, Another week of volleyball in the books uh, over here in Canada, uh, Ontario, the province that I'm in. We had the OCAA championships this weekend. Um, a lot of good volleyball, a lot of exciting volleyball, and um, it was a, it was a pleasure to be able to watch that. And uh, we also have on the on the U Sports side in Canada as well. That's gonna that's still continuing to go on. So still a lot of volleyball left. Uh, some news. I know many of you probably heard the NCAA coming out with their ruling for women's volleyball in terms of in eliminating the double contact. Rule on the second touch, providing that it goes to a teammate, um, and you know what? I've heard a lot of different opinions on this and things like that. So I felt the need to just share mine. You know, and you know, it's kind of funny. the The episode is about setting, and just right after the NCAA makes their their ruling about the double contact. Yeah, for me, you know, uh, to be quite honest, there's a couple of things. The double contact is is a subjective interpretation. It's an interpretation, and every ref can interpret interpretate that differently. Some refs I've heard watch it watching spin. Like the reality is, a referee is supposed to look at the hands. How did the ball come out of the hands? That's how you you call a double contact. And I've I've seen refs call it different ways. Some refs are more lenient. Some refs aren't. And anytime you they have that much control, like you, you're leaving the control of the game is into the referees. Um, like opinion, if you want to call it that, it, it there's always room for error, and I don't, I don't, you know, I don't like that. So, one, it takes that subjectivity out of the game, and the, the other thing too was is that there is no real advantage to calling that. If you give a bad ball to your your teammate, it makes you worse as a team. So, it doesn't, you know. I heard the argument; it kills the art of setting, and we're gonna have coaches not train the set. And I'm like, I don't think so because. You need you still need a great setter to push push a, a good ball. It has to if, if they if it comes out of their hands cleaner, the ball is going to be a a more hittable ball. So it's to your advantage to train good hands, and it's to your disadvantage if you don't have good hands. So the the, the rule is not going to give any advantage to the team that double contacts the ball. However, if you're double contacting the ball over the net to the other side, yeah, sure, that's when we have <clears throat> that's when <clears throat> excuse me we have an advantage, and that's where the NCAA said that you can't double contact over the net. But you could double contact on the second touch to your uh, to your teammate, and I was like, "Yeah, oh, that's that makes sense to me." So I hope. I, I don't know. I, I know maybe I'm the. I know the older generation doesn't like this because the art of setting, and I get that. But you know, I am I'm, I'm more of the, let's evolve the game. You know, let's make the game. Let's stop blowing the whistle and let's see volleyball on a call that really didn't. You know, you didn't have to blow the whistle for that. So that that's 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 my opinion at least. So yeah. Might not be the popular one, but I think it'll be better for the game, to be honest. And I hope more leagues end up going this way as well. And if you didn't hear, um, you might have heard, I have a, a workshop coming up. So if you're listening to this before March third, we have a free coaches workshop coming up. It's a virtual one, It's my second one of the year, um, and it's going to be about offense. We're going to talk about offensive strategies, offensive systems, uh, offensive philosophy. We're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk you through a proven framework that I've run, and I've taught this training many times before of how to construct your offense no matter what stage you are in the game. Uh, It's a really, really great reminder. I actually did this presentation at the AVCA convention in December, and I got a lot of great feedback from it. So same one, and it's completely free. So volleyballworkshop.com, get signed up there, and uh, yeah, we can go from there. But let's let's get into today's episode uh, in terms of the art of decision-making as a setter. We're going to talk about the top strategies here in terms of the art of decision-making as a setter. And so, if you have a if you have a notes, if you have some notes, write it down because I'm gonna go through a bunch of different strategies. And these are things that I, I work with our setters all the time on. Is how to how to continue doing this. Okay. So, decision making. I think the the first part of decision making as a setter is to understand how to create the one on one situations in our game. You know that that's the goal of offense, right? The goal of offense is to create a one on one or one on nothing for your attacker to score on. And how do we do that? And there's multiple different ways that a setter can do that. Let's say that we're trying to free up the left side, for example. Okay, We're trying to free up the left side attacker. Well, the easiest way you can do that is to run the middle behind you. So if you run the middle on a 61 or a back one, back quick, whatever you want to call it, if you run the 61, you force the middle blocker to make a decision. They can either stay in front of that middle attacker and therefore making it easier for the one-on-one on the left side, or they can stay neutral at the net and not move with the middle attacker and then go and hope to read that. And even then it's still going to be hard to close providing you're in system. So you you want to force the middle to make decisions. Anytime you force a middle to make a decision, you're, you know, you have you should have the advantage there. <clears throat> Let's say you wanted the right side ball. Let's say you want to create the one-on-one on the right side. Well, you could run the middle on a 30, 31, shooting the gap, whatever you want to call it, but you run the middle away from the right side. Again, forcing that middle blocker to make a decision. If they go with the middle, you have a one-on-one on on the right side for sure. If they don't go with the middle, you still might have a one-on-one on on the right side or you hit the middle and the middle has a one-on-nothing. So yeah, these are decision-making. These these are great decisions that that you can make. On my first example, if the middle blocker stays neutral, then the middle attacker has a one-on-nothing. So you can hit the middle attacker. So there's these are this, these are the type of things your setters have got to be thinking about. How do you, how do we create the one on one when it comes to our our system? Okay. And the other thing. So that's 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 one one strategy you got to think about. The second thing is, what what kind of offense are you running? Are you running a 51 base offense, a 30 base offense? You know, are we trying to establish our middle early? You know, the the old school approach is establish your middle in the beginning of the match. Meaning establishing your middle means When As soon as you get that good pass, you run your middle. Run him, run him, run him. So that that way, the middle blocker now has to respect that you have a middle attack. And therefore, it's going to free your offense up for the rest of the game. Because every time you're in the system, the middle uh, middle attacker goes. And the middle blocker respects that middle attacker. You should have a one-on-one on on the left side. Um, I've also seen it differently where teams want to establish a pin player. So let's say you have a really good left side. And you want to get them going early. You hit them. And then eventually when the middle realizes that, oh, that's their go-to, then they, maybe they cheat over, maybe the middle blocker cheats over, and then you can run the middle. So it's, it's a game of chess. You as a coach have to talk to your setter beforehand and come up with a game plan. What are we doing? Are we running our middle early? Are we establishing a pin player first? And how are we going to react to certain situations? This is, these, are, these are conversations you have before the match. And really, it's, again, but and this is, comes in in terms of decision making. This is the big conversation to have in terms of what what are we going to do as a setter. Okay, <clears throat> so that's the second strategy. Let's talk about establishing the middle or establishing the pin. Third strategy is what I like to call going against the flow of the game. Okay, going against the flow of the game, and all this means is wherever the ball is passed, you may want to go against the flow of that direction. So let, give me give an example here. Let's say. We have a ball that's passed closer to the left side of the floor. You know, maybe closer to area, position four, like position three, position four, that area. So it's going towards the left side of the floor. Well, if we were to just pop that ball up to the left side, you know, the the flow of the game is to that side. So as, as, as a defense, their eyes are already on that side of the floor. So it's a much easier uh, opportunity for the defense to get a dig, get a block, because their eyes are already on that side of the floor. But if we were to go against the flow of the game and pop that ball back to the right side, now we're forcing the defense to make a tougher defensive stop. Now their eyes have to go to the other side of the floor and then they have to transition accordingly. And, t- and sometimes what happens, and again, this is, you have to be very disciplined, but sometimes what happens is when the ball is passed to the, you know, the area four, that side of the floor, the blockers tend to, to go that way. you know, Because it's a very difficult ball to push all the way back so they're going to say, well, the higher probability ball is going to be on the left side, so they're going to cheat over there and get there. So having a setter that's able to go against the flow of the game is great because you'll be able to free up a lot of one-on-one situations much easier, okay? So just to recap, the flow of the game is is going against the flow of where the ball is passed, right? So the ball is passed closer to area four, the setter can get to that ball, pop it back to the right side, and now the right side has a one-on-nothing or one-on-one, and that's a great situation for them to be in, okay? So that's strategy number three. Strategy number four is let's talk about matchups. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's important that your setter knows who the mismatches are, who doesn't have the mismatch, because then that might help their, des- their decision making. So if, you know, here's a classic one, short setter. You know, if there is a short setter in the front row, then whatever your left side is, whenever they're matched up with that short setter, that might be an advantage. You may be able to take advantage of that smaller blocker and go to work on that, as opposed to maybe setting right side, where there's a bigger blocker there. You might want to. That might not be the mismatch for your situation. So you have to. Your setter has to have the ability to read the floor see where the smaller blockers are or the weaker blockers for that matter maybe there's a weaker blocker who is is not you know not a great blocker we can go after those that blockers hands because you know they're not gonna put up a, a good block so <clears throat> that's another situation where matchups you got to figure out what your matchups and what, what where you can exploit their weaker blocking situation okay strategy number four kind of ties in with this but you know as a setter you got to know your hitters what do your hitters like to hit what what serve receive what you know rotation are they the best at what type of balls do they like do they like it inside do they like it high or outside like we got to figure out what our hitters like because when our hitters are able to get balls that they like hitting they make they our hitters make better decisions and you're able to score um, much more freely in that sense okay also it, you know kind of adding into that or, or tying into that is not only do you want to know what your hitters like to hit but what is what is your setter's best set? You know that that's a conversation you want to have as well. You know? If the setters like to set certain balls and they're confident with those balls, then I would really recommend you training your hitters to hit those balls. Because your setter is at their best when they're setting their best balls. So Making sure you understand not only what type of balls do your hitters like, but what what type of balls do your setters like to set. I always like to look at see what my setters' best sets are and make sure that is a that is a focal point of our offense because we want them to do what the best like what they're the best at. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Let's talk a little higher level here now. Okay, so we talked about understanding as a setter how to how to create the one-on-one situations. Okay. We talked about knowing your hitters, knowing 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 what ball you like to set. We talked about a little game plan, establishing middles, establishing pins and then going against the flow of the game. Okay, that's 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 basic decision making. Now, let's talk a little higher level stuff here. So when we are when we're able to pass that, when we're passing that ball and we're in system. In system means the setter can get to can get to their spot or that or it's already going to where the setter is and they have time before they set the ball. But so let's talk about what are, what are they doing in that time? Well, if they can take a peek to see what the middle blockers are doing or the front court blockers are doing before they make their set and they're able to use that information to help make a better decision, now we're talking high-level setting. So let's say, for example, that you're running a 30, okay? So the middle is running a, a, a ball, that is away from the setter not a, not a quick but away from the setter so a 30 31 shooting the gap whatever you want to call it okay they're they're running a route in between position 4 and 3 and your setter is able to take a peek at where the middle is that can help them make an important decision because if they see that the middle has followed the middle attacker so the middle blocker is pushed over to that side already then where should they set well they should go right side they should go opposite because the middle blocker will probably not be a, a factor and the middle and the and the right side hitter will have a one on one for sure. Okay. Well, what if you see that the setter that the middle didn't follow the middle attacker? What if the middle blocker stayed in the middle of the floor? They stay neutral. Well, guess what? You probably have one on nothing for your middle attacker. So you gotta think about these um, you gotta see if, if the middle if the setter has the ability to take a quick peek, then they have the ability to see what the blockers are doing and can make a set accordingly. Okay. This is also when dumping can be a great tool as a setter, like a setting decision. You know, When you're in system and the middle block, or sorry, the, um, the left side player, the left side blocker that's blocking the setter. Remember, the left side on the opposing team, they're responsible for setter dumps and taking care of the setter. Well, if that left side is not jumping with the setter, then the setter might have an open area to attack. could dump the ball attack the ball that's a decision that you could work with your setters on how they feel comfortable doing that so really important that is when if the setter can take a peek they'll know if a blocker is there with them and they can dump the ball okay so knowing when to dump all ties into understanding if they can look at the setter the worst thing is when setters dump when they shouldn't it's like they have a great in-system ball coming blockers are there and the setter dumps right into a blocker's hand you don't want to do that you only want to dump when it's the right time. Sometimes it's in rally situations when the blockers are caught off guard. Those are great times to dump. Or when you realize that there's no blocker on the setter, then you could dump there as well. And if you if, you're, if your setter knows how to attack, even better. They can attack the ball, okay? So there you go. There is what? That, where do we at? Strategy number six there? Here's a good one for you guys, okay? Now, <clears throat> let's talk about, again, high-level stuff here, okay? We need to really train our setters to look at film, Look at film, study your opponent. See where their weaknesses are because offensively you want to be able to exploit those weaknesses. So some of the things that our setters will do is when we're playing a team, we'll look at their previous game and see how is the other team scoring on them? Where is the other team finding success? And how can we do the same? Now, if you don't have access to film and you're at a tournament, which I know many of our listeners are, they're at tournaments, look and see Teams in your pool when you're not playing, teams that are, you're going to cross over with in the playoffs, how are they getting scored on? Where are their weaknesses on the block? And then your setter needs to know that so you can come together with a quick game plan on how to exploit that. Okay, so that's really important. You got Your setter has to fall in love with looking at film on other teams so we can exploit any mismatches, we can exploit any weaknesses, any deficiencies in their defense, things like that, Okay. Another more little high-level conversation here is understanding when to run combo plays. So combo plays are like X's and tandems, different routes. When do you do that? Normally, you do that. Normally, we do that out of timeouts. Normally, we do it when the, when you think the defense is not going to expect it, and you also have to do it with players that can actually effectively run those routes. So if you have a, a middle that's scoring quite a bit, okay. This is an opportunity where they're going to be respecting the middle. So if you know that the middle blocker is going to respect the middle and jump with the middle, that is when you can run plays like the X, where the opposite comes around the middle, middle jumps, ball gets set right over the middle attacker, and your opposite comes in for a kill. That's when you, uh, you recognize that, well, our middle is holding their middle blocker. They're jumping with our middle attacker, and we can use these combo plays at certain moments in the game where you want to get that extra point, that extra advantage. Okay? So there you go, really understanding that. <clears throat> strategy, I lost track of what strategy On what, eight, nine here? It's really important that setters listen to who's communicating with you, okay? And if, you're, if you, your offensive players stop communicating with the setter, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. We, we never want to have that happen, okay? So let's talk about this if your attackers are not, if you're middle, it's, it starts with the middle. It's, that, that's what I think it starts with. It's, that's why it's really, it's, I mean, it's important that everyone communicates with your setter, but it's even more important where you're middle, your middle, because ha- your middle you have to know if your middle's in or not. If your middle's in and you're in system, you know, you have options. So who's communicating with the setter, making sure you, you have your setters trained there. The middle's communicating then that means the middle's an option and they can hit that middle. Okay. So i really, you don't want to set a player that's not ready. And the way that we can let our setter know that we're ready is by letting them know. And it can be something simple, like, you know, like our setter is named Jalen at the time of this recording. And Jay is what we call him for short, right? Middle can be like, hey, Jay, I'm in, I'm in. Left side can Jay, I'm in. Highball, highball, pipe, 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 you know, what, whatever they're in, right? That, whatever, whatever you want to communicate, it's really important. And if you follow me on Instagram, I, I made a post on this talking about intentional communication. We want to be intentional with our communication to the setter. So, like, things like, Jay, I'm out, I'm out, meaning they're not an option. Or Jay, I'm in. Or Jay, I'm pushing. Or Jay, push me, like, faster. Like, use Q words where the setter knows what you want. A faster ball, a slower ball, a high ball. You know, tempo. Use Q words. So when the setter hears that, the setter can make better setting decisions. And I think that's really important that we understand that, okay? So as a coach, you have to really advocate for your players to communicate with a setter and have them be intentional about them. Not just saying, my, my, my my, my, here, here, here. No, no, like middle, here I'm in, I'm in quick. Hey, I'm off, I'm off. Hey, push, push, you know, tempo, tempo, whatever. Whatever you guys are talking about. Okay. All right. Another thing that really affects the decision making of a setter is understanding your players' emotions. You know, this is where it it comes crucial. Because if a player, if you have to know your players, okay, setters have to know their players. If you have a player that just got blocked really badly, is that player? If you set them right again, are they are they the type of player that's going to make sure they score this time, or are they the type of player that just got frustrated and is going to make a bad decision? Yeah, knowing your player's mental, emotional capabilities and their their way their ability to bounce back, or understanding when they're hot, they're hot. Understanding the player's emotions are, is an important part of being a setter because then you'll know when to, when not to set a player. Like if a player just got you know roofed blo- really blocked well and you know that that player is going to is going to still be dwelling on that point or you know that player is I need to hit him again because they're going to that blocker is not going to get him this time. That's when you know like that's how you you got to really use that information to your advantage. Okay? So knowing your player's emotions big 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 part. Okay? and that also ties in with the game plan It's like you know can you follow that can they can you follow the game plan with dealing with your players emotions we talked about the 2020 rule the 2020 rule i've talked about on the podcast before if you're not, if you're not familiar with it really simple when the when the game is close when we're at the 2020 point 21 20 22 23 like when we're at that the later part of the match or the set you got to know who your go to players are who can terminate the ball you don't want to make bad setting decisions. You want to go to your go-to players and you want to set them up for success. And that is when, as a setter, you have to make the right decisions in the crucial times, okay? Also, with your go-to player, you have to see what the, what the defense is doing. Let's say, for example, your go-to player is a left side and they're triple blocking him or double blocking him or her and they're leaving other hitters alone. And you know those other hitters are capable of swinging. You got to set them. And that's where crucial decision making at the end of the game. Now, if you now for whatever reason, if you know that they've they've left a player alone, but even though they left that player alone, that player that they left alone is not a good option because they're they're not they, they could still commit an error. And the left side who's getting double block is still a better option than you set the left side with a double block. So again, this comes to knowing your players as well. Even though your left side has a double block and your middle may have no block or, or a half a block, is your middle? Can your is your middle going to convert? Do you have confidence that middle will convert, or is a better option still the left side on two blockers? So in our case, in our season, sometimes too, it, our option is still the better. The better option is still the middle or the left side rather. In our in our season this year, we we had a, a our middle was an all star, was first team all star in our league, and we would set our middle. We would, even when our middle had two blockers, we would still set our middle because our middle will score. So you know we got to figure that out. Okay. Um, so yeah, you don't want to set the wrong person. Okay. Another thing I have in terms of decision-making is do not set the middle as a bailout. I see this a lot where the ball is set. Maybe maybe it's a tough ball for the setter to get to. It's it's in and around the net. And the, the, middle, the setter just pops up the ball in the middle of the floor for the middle to attack. It is the easiest read as blockers when a meter ball goes up into the middle of the floor for a middle attacker. Because they could bring in all their blockers in and throw up six hands and get a good block on it. If you're going to throw up a Hail Mary or a bailout ball, that ball needs to go to the left side or the right side. It cannot go to the middle. You cannot have bailout balls in the middle because it's a very, very, very easy block to read and to get a block on it or a touch on it. However, if you get a bailout ball to the left side, then the left side has options. They can tip, they can roll, they can control, they can see more court. Right. They can have an approach. A middle is not going to have an approach. Because the middles already approaching. So that's where out of system setting comes really, out of system setting comes important. Ball control is important. So you have to have good ball control to be able to do that. Okay? But we don't want to jam middles. I always say, don't bail out. Don't jam middles by giving them a bailout ball. We don't want to do that. Okay, All right, let's talk a little bit about setter offense. Okay, So now we, we've surpassed strategy number 10. <laughs> We're probably like on 11 here. But knowing when to dump, knowing when to swipe off the block. Okay, so we briefly talked about dumping and seeing the blocker. If you see the blockers, you'll know when to dump and when not to dump, right, based on how how the blockers are playing the setter. But knowing when to swipe off the blocker's hands, knowing when to dump, these are decision makings that setters need to know. So if there's a tight ball, sometimes I I encourage my setter, tight ball, swipe off the blocker's hands because you have the advantage. You are an attacker first, like in terms of the offensive. The the ball is on on the offensive side. So when the ball is on the offensive side, offense teams have the advantage. So a setter can absolutely swipe off the hands if, they, if it's a better option than setting a player. Sometimes maybe the, the setter didn't get their foot around the ball; they can't do it. They swipe off the blocker's hands. That's great. Or dumping. Might, maybe you know, tight ball. Here's another thing. You have a tight ball. Maybe you tip the ball deep because if it's a tight ball, chances are the defense is compressing. Right, your libero is coming in. There's a lot of times I've seen setters push the ball into the back corner and score. Okay. It, again, this is a decision. Again, it's decision making. You got to know your defense. Is that hole open, or is the defense going to pick it up? Because if the defense is going to pick it up, then you got to set the ball, or you got to swipe off the hands. So you got to know. You got to know your defense, and this comes with looking at film, this comes to studying the opponent, knowing. And sometimes it's a bailout, and you have to do it right, and you try to at least push them out of system. But there, these are balls where you can score in by pushing it deep. Okay, so imagine here's a. I'll, I'll throw a situation at you. Ball comes. It's tight to the net, you have a couple options. Either you get up over the net and set that ball, you swipe off the blocker's hands, or you push the ball into the deep back court corner of five, okay? Or you can dump. But if it's tight, chances are there's blockers there. If it's a tight set, chances are there's blockers there. So you can't be, you're not be able to dump, but you can push it back deep, or you can swipe off the hands, or you can try to make a set. Okay, so these are these are some options that you got to think about as a setter, okay? Okay. Um, you know, another thing too, I want to mention is running the middle off the net. Yeah, middles are so important. If you get a ball that's passed to the attack line, for example, okay, run your middle off the net. That, like, if you can do that, you open up your offense so much. So, you know, I really encourage your coaches to train your middles that when the setter's off the net at the attack line, middles still got to approach and be a hitting option, whether that's running a 30 and hit it being a hitting option at the net or recognizing that the ball is passed off the net and still running a 51 from the attack line, you could still absolutely do that. Now, that's, that's we're talking high level here. Don't get me wrong. It's, it is a high level ball, but we could absolutely do that. So having your blockers or your middle attackers with the ability to read and see a ball that's being passed off the net and still be able to approach either on a 30 or approach on a 51 off the net, that is a uh, that is good, and that's really really uh, a great option if I, if you can do that. Okay, and then the last thing I want to mention, we're definitely surpassing high, st- well over strategy tenure. But setters have to know when they can't get to the ball. Okay, your team has to know when the setter can't get to the ball. If the ball is passed into the backcourt, well into the backcourt, it is very difficult for a setter to get to that ball square and make a good set. At that point. We are in out-of-system territory, and you have to have your setter recognize they're not going to get that ball and call help. And you have to have your players recognize that that is not the setter's ball. That is a backcourt ball. I'm going to come in and take that ball. So if there's a player in position one who can come in, player in position five, your libero can come in, take that ball and put a high out-of-system ball for your attackers to go after. That is what you have to recognize. Okay, So recognizing those situations where the setter can't get to the ball and let your offense come in and put an out-of-system ball to a hitter so that you hopefully can get a better offensive opportunity when that, time, when that comes, okay? Okay, let's do a recap. There was a lot of strategies here when it comes to the art of decision-making as a setter. We talked about going against the flow of the game. So write this down if you haven't been writing this down, okay? Going against the flow of the game, so when the ball is passed into like area four, for example, popping it back to the right side where the eyes are now having to move and now defense is, needs a little bit more work as opposed to just setting a left side ball in that situation. Uh, number two is establishing your hitters. So whether we're going to establish a middle or a pin. We talked about old school establishing your middles early so, they off, so the defense respects the middle so it opens up the flow for your pins, your left side, your right side attackers. Okay. We talked about matchups. Strategy number three, knowing your matchups, knowing where there's a mismatch in terms of poor blocking, poor defense, et cetera. Strategy number 4 is also knowing your hitters, knowing, you know, what are your hitters like? What kind of balls do your hitters like to to swing at and what makes them, you know, that which will ultimately make them more successful. Strategy number 5, what is your best set? It's always good to know what the setter is good at because if the setter can set a a, a consistent ball or the setter has a favorite type of set, you want to include that in your offense. Okay, strategy number 6, looking at the middle blockers before you set. High level here. But do you have the ability to look at your middle blocker or look at the three front court blockers to see where you can create the best one-on-one situation? Which leads me to strategy number seven. Do you know how to create the one-on-one situations as a setter? How do you do that? Run the middle behind you to to create a one-on-one for the left side or run the middle away from you to create the one-on-one for the right side. Do you know how to do that? Okay. Strategy number eight, look at film. Look at film. Study your opponent. How did the other how did other teams score on them? Can we do the same? What are their weaknesses on defense or or on the block? How can we set our offense up to exploit those weaknesses? Look and study film, okay? Strategy number 9, know when to run combo plays, when to run the X. We talked about the fact that if you have a really good middle and the middle blockers are always committing to the middle attacker, then you have a free situation to run combos, run X's around. So when they jump in the middle, you have a one on nothing. Okay, Strategy number 10, understanding your player's emotions. We talked about this. If your player just got blocked really hard, is it a good idea to go back to them? Are they the player that will freeze up in that moment or will they embrace that block and go after that and score, not let them get blocked again? Okay, 11, strategy number 11, who's communicating with the setter? Is your setter aware of who's communicating with them, and are they using that information to their advantage? Do we have intentional communication? Okay. Strategy number twelve: understanding the game plan. Understand the game plan. Does your setter have the? your setter have the ability to understand the game plan, follow it, and execute it to perfection or as close to perfection as possible? Okay. Strategy number thirteen: the twenty-twenty rule. The twenty-twenty rule. That means that when you're in late game. 2020, 2021, 22, 23, does your setter know who to hit, okay? Does your setter know what the right decisions, which ties into strategy number 14, who is your best closer? In late games, you don't want to set the wrong person, okay? So who is your best closer? Strategy number 15, don't jam the middles as a bailout. You want to jam the pins, okay? Middles are not bailout players. Pins are bailout players, okay? Strategy number 16, Knowing when to dump or swipe off the block. These are like two strategies here. Knowing when to dump, knowing when to swipe, knowing when to push the ball deep. Okay, there's like 17, 18. There's there's 17, 18 right there, strategy 17, 18. Knowing when to dump, knowing when to swipe, knowing when to push the ball. So in a tight ball situation, tight ball situation, what do we do? Because chances are, maybe dumping might not be the best situation, maybe we swipe or push deep. Or if it's not a tight ball and you can see the block, Knowing when to dump. Okay, strategy number nineteen. Do you have the ability to run the setter, or sorry, run the middle off the net? So when the setter is off the net, maybe they're being pushed to the attack line. Can we run the middle and still be have an effective offense? Okay, and then strategy number twenty. Look at that two zero. Made it an even number here. Knowing when the setter can't get the ball. So your team, your not only does your setter have to know that, but your team has to recognize when the setter can't get the ball and step in and push an out of system ball. Okay. So there you go. I didn't really think there'd be 20 strategies, but there you go. You got 20 strategies on the art of decision-making as a setter. So I really hope that you're able to take this with you. Um, know, have your setters, train your setters to make great decisions, have the confidence to make those decisions so ultimately you can have a better offense. And I've heard coaches say that they value setting decision more than setting quality. I don't really know how I feel about that because you still need a quality set, but I do. I do agree that... A setting decision, like you could have the greatest set in the world, but if it's a bad decision, it might hurt you versus the best decision in the world. And if it's not the greatest set, you can still benefit from that decision making. So that's that's where that argument comes in. So maybe I'm a little more on on the side of the better decision is the way to go. You always want your setters to have the better decisions because that's ultimately what's going to define how your offense is able to run. Okay? That's it for me. Listen, if you're listening to this episode before uh, March 3rd, I got my free workshop. So definitely sign up for that. It's going, to be, it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to welcoming a bunch of coaches to the workshop. I guarantee you, I'm I, you know, i I'm going to say this with confidence, and I guarantee you're going to take something away from the free workshop. So definitely sign up for that. Um, and if you have any more questions uh, on setting, hit me up on Instagram, you know, Sing underscore coach B. Don't hesitate to reach out. I, I always love engaging in volleyball conversations. All right, that's it for me. I'll see you guys next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. Take care. All right, cue the music.